it's just fun to have musicians like that on stage with you where you, know, you get to have fun every night. It's not like a Broadway musical. We're not doing the same exact thing every night. You know, certain things will, you know, like I said, the parameters stay the same. Within those parameters, we have a lot of fun music. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes in Will Turpin of Collective Soul. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. On the road in a hotel room here. Got my gold curtain behind me. Nice. That's all good. I've been hoteling it all over the country myself lately, so I know the feeling. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, still on the road, supporting Vibrating, 30-plus years as a band, many milestones and anniversaries coming up. Just, just generally about touring. At this stage of the band's career, you have so much material to draw from, plus a relatively new album. I, obviously, some songs can never come out of the set list or fans will riot. Yeah. But how do you pick, like, you know, up the other albums in the lesser known well really just mess around with them on stage and and you know there's some songs we're probably not even going to try but uh you know for the most part we also have you know a skeleton of songs we know we're going to play also so i think we start a lot of times we just start with the skeleton hey let's let's play heavy early let's uh let's let's get shine done at the halfway point which is kind of where we're at right now we're getting it getting it past us uh and let's close out with you know these and then we and then we try to fill in and uh, we'll listen to um, what people want to hear, uh, but we just kind of just sound check a few of them and see which ones kind of flow best. And, and then we know, and then and honestly, we, we'll write it. We'll write a set list, but it'll change a little bit. But we, once we get through the midway, midway of the summer, like we're, we're past the midway point now, we've got a really strong set list that flows perfectly right now. But it's, it, it's not about where they ranked or how many the number ones obviously again there's certain songs we're going to play no matter what but uh it's, it's just about flow and, and making sure everybody's you know enjoying the vibe of, of the whole set list you know right on i just figured after you know so many hit songs uh you know played some of these songs tens of thousands hopefully they're not they you still enjoy them you know shared with you as opposed to like oh this is no no not at all uh we have fun playing music uh johnny rab has been our drummer now for a little over a decade and uh Man, we we're able to uh, have a lot of fun in, in in some of the same parameters of the songs, but we don't play them the same way every night. We we uh, we mess around with it, so it's it's just fun to have musicians like that on stage with you, where you know you get to have fun every night. It's not like a Broadway musical. We're not doing the same exact thing every night. You know, certain things will you know, like I said, the parameters stay the same within those parameters. We have a lot of fun music. Nice. Johnny Rab, the one-time fastest drummer in the world, by the way, and probably still can be. Yeah, he, he was a Guinness Guinness Book of World Records at one point. Um, but, so, yeah, so fun. And you and uh, there's I noticed I was I sneaked, took a sneak peek at the at the set list. Thank you, set list. FM. And I see you guys are doing covers. You're always so great at cover songs. Some of my favorite collective soul shows have had amazing covers. Uh, how do you pick a cover? I don't want to spoil it for the fans, but how do you guys choose a cover song to? One, one that the fans love. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we try stuff and uh, we're like, maybe not. Uh, it's we can just tell when it's super electric. Um, yeah, the one we're doing now is like a tip of the cap to uh, REM and us growing up in Georgia and, and how we were proud of that band for uh, kind of forging a different sound out of out of the South. We were we were used to the R and B soul. We were used to the Southern rock coming out of Georgia. But it's tip of the hat to them for being like a, the first band that kind of didn't sound like a Southern rock band. And that meant a lot to us. And of course, you know, you got Collective Soul, who, you know, we don't necessarily, we love those roots and we love those bands, but that wasn't necessarily. Understood. And R.E.M. really the first breakout 
alternative rock band ever to a band with hits that there just stayed with you. And uh, I, I'm so glad we lived in the time. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to just share for a second. I mentioned uh, off air. The, my previous Collective Soul experiences, Woodstock 99, when you guys played back-to-back with Seven Dust and you did uh, two covers, I Will Follow by U2 and Crazy Train, and they were unbelievably great. And the whole set was great. You guys were fire. Everybody, you know, it was like hot time. Dosage had just come out, I think, so a few months earlier. So it was like 25 years of that. Next year, 25 years of Woodstock 99. Not as great a memory for everybody, but you guys were unbelievably great that day. Yeah, thanks, man. That footage has all been re-released uh, in in high def and it's uh, it's fun to watch but yeah man we uh when i watch some videos like that too it's almost like whoa you know people say different lifetime and i remember it and uh but the vibe and the feel when you see yourself on video and you remember what what that vibe was like to be in it in 1999 that would have been our fourth record that was just released in five years you know we were on a roll uh so i watched that footage and it's it's, it's like a 12 minute version of blame so yeah we're, we're doing a lot of the same stuff man there's we're on a, about a 10 minute version of just December right now we're, we're venturing into all kind of solos really fun stuff but yeah like like you said man when, you, when I look back at those videos I know prolific back then and prolific now really uh several records in a row in quick succession and you also had a solo record out in this time you know these last few years and obviously we had the big global psychotic sickness and break so we don't want to go there but like you know uh, that was good for at least making you know art creativity but you guys have always been so hard working and, and yeah I, think, I mean I think uh yeah, anybody who follows the career and understands that Collective Soul has always been prolific. Uh, part of that, obviously, is Ed's prolific songwriting. Uh, he comes to us with really good songs a lot of times, uh, or often, I should say. They're always good songs, but uh, he just doesn't stop. And we don't have any desire to stop, and it still feels really good to us. If, if it it felt like a chore for it felt like nobody cared about the stuff and we weren't creating anything that was significant well, we wouldn't be doing it but we're super proud of it and we do feel like it's significant and people want to hear it and, and like i said it feels the creative side feels like we're on a flow like we were really in the in the late 90s it feels like that as far as how how good it feels and how how prolific the uh the material is i feel like vibrating good record i think may hopefully not overlooked i hope but beside the diehard fan of them is selling out i do hope that more people become aware of this record because i think it was one of the better records and i will say just as a sidebar you know having i also was obviously a fan but i always love that your bass lines are very even on vibrating they have their own musical quality like almost their own little song like a paul mccartney thing and <laughs> uh, i'll be you know like hey this bass line could just be a cool thing by itself in the structure of this great song so i know that you know i know ed brings in a lot of the material but like how do you do you do you just kind of hear what the song gives you and go or do you get to does that allow you the freedom to yeah play? yeah and, and he, we need that he kind of needs that uh, he shows me ideas and then we have to make it you know we have to develop it make it sound like a collective soul song and you as a bass player i guess you're hearing a little bit of that of of, of what yeah I, that's how i go about it i try to make something that's in the rhythm section but it complements the song but it's also its own part i don't think about it from a technical aspect like you said i, I let it come to me and just try to open my ears and my soul to, to whatever i can get to come out of me and when it's okay then uh, then we try to build on that uh, but um, yeah, who'd you compare me to? Oh well, you know, only Sir Paul McCartney. But uh, you know, <laughs> other guys, other guys, you know, no big whoop. Some guy, he might make it someday. I don't know. Uh, maybe no one's heard of him. I'm not sure. Uh, 
I think the thing to me, the way I, you know, the way I always approach bass, besides listening to your song, you listen to what the drummer's doing, and then I think the best bass players know when to not play. And so then you're talking about a John Paul Jones, uh, so many others, but like that's like when you don't, when you drop out and you let the music breathe a little, and then you come back, mm. or you have like ghost notes or a little walk, you have so many cool walking lines in your career, as well as on vibrating, that I really appreciate it. It really makes the song beyond just the beat. And I think a lot of people, there's so, you know, because everybody wants to rock the F out, you know what I'm saying? And everybody wants to just link up with the riffs and just you know rock hard, but I think bass playing is much more you know subtle and majestic that if it's allowed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you mentioned another one. Like honestly, yes, I have to say who I look at, who I really would be uh, a fan of what they did in their band as a bass player. John Paul Jones would definitely be one of my favorites of all time. Paul McCartney, stay out of the way of the vocal, but try to find something signature that helps the song be something different. You know. Um, and, and, and again, I just create by feel, and it starts with being a band and, and taking care of the song. And then in addition to the band, which is rocking and still rolling after 30 plus years, you had a nice little solo career whenever you had the time. Uh, I thought the last record, you know, you had come through a lot of personal grief and drama, and, you know, hopefully uh, that's all beyond, behind now. But uh, what's any news of any future? Yeah, we. I mean, I, I got some more tunes. Uh, I've got... I've been silver linings as far as pandemics were concerned. Uh, we, you know, Collective Soul got to create a lot. Uh, I, I uh, stumbled on some more some more songs that I think are, are worthy of another uh, release. And, and I spent a lot of time at my, my studio. Uh, my legacy, I tell everybody it's my legacy. The, it's the studio that... Uh, my father started. Yeah, I'm there a lot, creating a lot, and uh, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be more in the future for sure. Amazing. Yeah, we'll link all that in the description. Uh, shout out to inviting me with all the links, and and it is a really a real Georgia story. Your father's studio is now yours, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Ed worked before Collective Soul was a thing, or before you were in Collective Soul. Ed worked there. Ed worked at your father's studio, producing other bands, engineering, doing you know recordings. Did you have interactions with him before you were in the band? Did you know like this guy's genius, or I, you know I don't want to. If I was Ed on the phone, I wouldn't. You know, if we were talking to Ed, I wouldn't say this. But like I'm asking you, did you like see a spark in this guy back then? Like, oh my God, I have to make music with this guy. Oh, for sure. That's part of the story, man. Uh, that's absolutely part of the story. Uh, basically, you know, uh, Dean is two years younger than me. So there's, there's a nine-year difference between Ed and Dean. My earliest memory, I mean, I'm li I'm growing up in that. It's a small town story. And, and speaking of next year, Collective Soul has more music. But we also have the quintessential uh, career documentary coming out next year. So... All these answers will become very clear to you sometime next year. But uh, it's a small town story like no other. My, even my my grandfather knew that knew Ed and Dean's father uh, from old school. Like that, their father was the music minister and the preacher at the Baptist church. And my grandfather would have been a superintendent of Henry County Schools. And so when my dad got out of the army, uh, was in a band and started a studio there. Seventy six. So the uh, 80s rolled around and Ed uh, is down the street and we all, the families all knew each other, but uh, Ed came back from Berkeley. I believe that was a pretty quick stint at Berkeley. And uh, almost, almost immediately after he came back, he went and asked my father if he could learn how to be an engineer. And he learned how to be an engineer there. And it was uh, a little bit of a ways to the means. My father supported him and told him, hey man, 
on, on all the free time. You, you work on your craft, brother. Uh, Ed, Ed did not take that lightly. And uh, yeah, I watched him work on his craft. Me and my friends watched him work on his craft. Yeah, we all, I remember being in high school, jamming to Ed's solo records. I mean, we all appreciated his songs. It wasn't collective soul yet, but we all watched him work, work on it. And we all appreciated his songs and we're, and we're big fans. We'd go watch him play live. And uh, you know, as the story goes, basically uh, me, Shane and Ross and Dean were coming up through high school. Ed's, Ed's bandmates were getting married and getting real jobs. And, and here we come up, you know, six and a half, seven and a half years younger than Ed. And, and slowly the pieces came together, uh, you know, 20 years of overnight success. But uh, but that was that that studio was the hub. And yeah, Ed, Ed was an in, head engineer there probably six years. Amazing. I can't wait to see this document. Get my brain ready. <laughs> and you have a lot to celebrate, obviously. I remember when Hints came out, it was so... Like, I was like, how is this a, a relatively new band? It sounds like a veteran band's 10th album, not the first album, the songwriting. Not just, you know, I know, you know, there's a lot to say about this stuff or stuff we probably just left not talked about, about the music business at the time, but, and things that happened, but like the record is still holds up for me. I listened to it recently, just right out of the box. Yeah, I mean, the first record, there's a story behind that as far as, you know, some of those songs were recorded as a band in the studio. And, and a lot of those songs were recorded pretty much as Ed, as an individual, uh, he was starting to question whether he, uh, a rock band would be viable. And he was he was going to make some demos of some of these songs and and uh, shop them out to other people to see if maybe somebody would record his song. You know, so the first record, Hints and Allegations, is, is, is Hints and Allegations because it really wasn't it really wasn't a, a band record. But uh, but again, I think the studio gave us all, especially Ed, because he he was older and he worked there. I think it gave the the whole band collective soul a very. Um, we we just had a very professional studio acumen. We knew how to service a song. I mean, my dad was teaching me how to play drum set for songwriter demos and how to stay out of the way and let the let the vocal take the space here. You stay out of the way here. Da 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 da. I was 14 years old learning that. You know, so collective soul came out of the box. A well. A, a much more seasoned studio band than your average rock and roll band. Totally, and I totally envision you as a little kid running around the studio, but also like, you know, piano, multi-instrumentalist over time, but like, I love the idea of you being, you know, really, you know, the training grounds, the proving grounds for the rest of your life, pretty right. remarkable, and obviously, you know. And, it, and, and a big part of why we have so many different influences on a collective soul record. It's really hard to pigeon collective soul as one sound. And that's another reason why we there's so many different elements we bring into our music, and and I think uh, I think that was part of it too. Because again, Ed would have been engineering anything from a bluegrass record to uh, uh, we always like to mention he one of his first complete records he engineered was RuPaul uh, or RuPaul's record out of Atlanta. So you got to see all kind of different uh, genres, and and we all did. And, and like you said, yeah, yeah, man, I was running around as a little kid. There's there's still some old school musicians in Atlanta that remember me as a, a little dude with some fake six shooters on my on my waist and running around in my underwear you know that was my thing I, I've, I've been told that was my thing i don't remember this but <laughs> maybe maybe there will be some incriminating photos in the documentary all of these ch children because you know cringe is in now we want to we want to cringe it ourselves in retrospect as self cringe is in Cringe is in. It is. This cringy stuff is, you know, new metal is back. We love it. We hate it. We love it again. Uh, you know, you guys also survived that. Like, in a lot of ways, you guys brought back, like, a heavy rock and a classic rock kind of flavor at the time when, you know, again, it was all these, the like, corn was popping off at the exact same time and other things uh, became, like, TRL staples. And then here you are also at these same festivals at Corn, Limp Biscuit, Metallica. Within a few years, I know you joked about a 20-year overnight success, but literally within six months of seeing you guys that first 
time yeah. live. I was at Woodstock '94, and everybody was singing "Shine." It was nuts. Yeah. It was absolutely banana, uh, and and we all felt it. Like my my friend group, which included guys I had bands with, we were like, "Oh my, look at this band!" It's like the next generation band. It was yeah, you it was guys. Can't, yeah. What a great story! Uh, and yeah, thirty years hard to believe, man. Hard to believe. Yeah. I just interviewed uh, Kevin from Candlebox. Uh, I know they're kind of on, you know, sort of a law. The, literally, their new album's called The Long Goodbye, and it's a farewell tour now. I feel like you guys are still going very strong. It, personal reasons, family. You know, I appreciate that you guys are still out there doing Yeah, your- thanks, man. Uh, yeah, we did no, and we're still not, 30 years later, we still don't look back, man. We're still looking forward. Double album next year documentary nice. probably a box set right before christmas next year you're gonna get tired of hearing about us man so uh, well not me but maybe everyone else <laughs> not not this guy and, and uh you know eight other base uh just just to give you back your day and, and let you relax before gig time just one last question i love to end these with a wild card question my wild card question for you is what is your favorite non-popular well maybe one you guys don't there's a lot of them I'll, I'll go with something more recent uh well okay how about can i answer two part can i go like something from the 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 the, the Atlantic Records years. Bring it. Uh, so the Atlantic Records years, it's a song called Untitled, second track on the Blue Record. We, mm. we used to play that song live before it was released. And then after it was released, we never played it live. And uh, I love that song. I was, uh, especially in that era, I really thought that song was, uh, that was the strongest to me. That was the strongest collective soul song. Of course, it never was even a single. In more recent times, it's um, it's Dumb Blues off of uh, Blood. Yeah, I'm, that song's freaking awesome. So that's all. I just how I'll close that one out with. Will Turpin of Collective. So great to catch up with you. Good luck and be safe out on the road. We're going to review one of the shows. I'm really excited about it. Thanks for hanging out with Ghost Cult. Yeah, man. Treat, cheers, buddy. I appreciate your time too, man. Good to see you again after a few decades. Indeed. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.